Hey everyone, welcome back to People in Progress. My name is Pastor Hannah and I'm here as your host today because Pastor Derek is the one that is getting um, questioned with our podcast questions so we can get to know him better. Um, say hey, Pastor Derek. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for doing this today. Yes, absolutely. Now, when you say question, you don't mean interrogated, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not going to ask where you were on the night of the murder. I'm just going to ask about you and your life. Um, okay. Going forward, though, everyone, I do respect Pastor Derek and his title, but I will just be saying Derek from here on out. Um, Derek, I want to know a little bit about you. So would you share with me um, share with me a little bit about your heritage, uh, your family growing up. What was your family dynamic like? How many siblings do you have? Where were you? Where'd you grow up? All that jazz. Family growing up. Okay. We can start there. I, should, I just realized I picked the chair with arms on it. So it's bumping into the table. So um, back of my mind is going to be thinking how many times is that going to happen during this episode? <laughs> Anyways, um, I was born in Nashville. My mother and dad met at Trevecca Nazarene uh, University. It my dad went there, yeah. Then. Is that Have right? Fun. Yeah. Um, so my dad is from Columbia, South Carolina, and my mom is from Charleston, West Virginia. And so that's how they connected and got together. Uh, my grandfather was in a Nazarene church, and so my mom would make a big deal about me being a third or fourth generation Nazarene um, when we had those conversations about denomination. So grew up in a Nazarene church, went to Goodlettsville Nazarene, which is right outside of Nashville. Uh, dynamics growing up, mom and dad got together, stayed together, um, had a good mom and dad. I still have a good mom. My dad is gone. And on the longest day of the year, my little sister was born December 21st. And so her birthday is four days before Christmas. Mine's four days after Christmas. And so we know all about the birth mess at our house. Um, what else did you ask? Family dynamics. Yeah, siblings, all that stuff. Well, yeah. I don't hear. Well, that's a little bit growing up. Did you and your sister? Well, what's the age difference? Three years. Okay. Were you ever in the same school together? What was that like? Yeah. So, <laughs> my dad was the principal of the elementary school that we went to. Oh wow. Yeah. So starting in first grade, my dad was my principal up to sixth grade because that's a hundred years ago when elementary school went to um, sixth grade. So you're too young to know about that. Well, it was still um, around at least but, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so we were there, so she would have been like in second grade when I was in fifth grade, but at that point, you know, the ages are so far apart that Fair. Know, it's okay. not that big I get of a deal. it, yeah. But yeah, you still yeah. have to ride to school together and sure. deal with all yeah. that. Did when you, were you always friends, or was there the time where there was that like normal teenage angst of like, ah, oh, get out of my room, like that kind of stuff? Oh, man. Um, so... When we were real little, we used to try to kill each other. It is a miracle we both survived. My sister has all these stories, and we'll have to interview her sometime, but she has all these stories about how I tried to slam her head in the car door. Love it. Which I have no recollection of, and I think she's making up, but I'm not sure. Um, but then, she, yeah, she would, like, take my clothes as a teenager, like, because I was an older brother. I don't know. I, I'm not sure why. I love it. The but, dynamic uh, is yeah. so good. Yep. Okay. But like now we're really good friends. Like she's uh, just a, a good friend and a good confidant. And uh, I love you, Belle, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you grew up, your family dynamic was pretty strong. Tell yeah. me about what was your first job? First job? Yeah. My first job my dad made me get because I failed a semester of algebra after eighth grade, I think. So like I said, he was a principal of an elementary school. So he had some authority to bring me on the janitorial staff. And so 
that summer I had to work with the custodian and strip and wax the floors of the elementary school. Wow. And since that was a punishment, did you get paid for that job? I did. Oh, I got paid more for that job than I did my actual first real job when I was 16. Bam. That's amazing. Wow. Learned something and got punished and paid at the same time. And my first purchase was a Nintendo Entertainment System. And 100% worth it, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know how good of a worker I was. <laughs> oh, well, that's okay. Um, while you were a teenager or mm. in your adult life, what has been, has there been any hobbies that you've had the whole way through? Are you a hobby switcher? Do you find new passions and pursue that for like a month and then move on? What's What's that like for you? I feel like I switched a lot in junior high, but I think a lot of people just switch a lot in junior high. So seventh grade year was the year of the bike and freestyle bikes and doing tricks on bikes. And eighth grade and ninth grade year were the year of the skateboard. And then you, you know, kind of grow up and you need a larger vehicle to get around in. Uh, So I did that. Um, I always did like city league sports things like soccer and basketball. I like doing things like that. I like to draw. Uh, That's one thing I think about doing more often, but I don't. Um, but then just kind of stuck with bikes. I like to mountain bike a lot. Like I love to be outside and going down a trail and outside and not in front of a screen, uh, playing guitar. I like to play guitar too. So all right, cool. That's all. That's all really good. I know, I know I've heard you talk about, um, mountain biking or just trail, mm-hmm. trail riding around here really. Cause there's not really mountains here. Um, but that seems to be something I hear you talk about that you enjoy a lot. So that's, that's always fun. Um, And video games too. Video games were a big part of growing up and, you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Genesis, all that kind of stuff. I know Hayden plays games. I I play with him on Fortnite sometimes. Do you ever play video games nowadays? Uh, Some. Yeah? Some. And a lot of times it's downloading the old games. Yes. Onto. I'm going to bring the classics back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's really good. Um, Did you, whenever you were young, okay, so you were in in church you were raised in the nazarene church yeah. this wonderful legacy and heritage that's right. so rich did you always have you always loved the lord or was there a point that you can remember where you're like no this is this moment of my life was really where i made made gave my life to christ and mm-hmm. and was was there a moment like that for you yes and uh i'm thankful that i can remember it cuz i talked to a lot of people that it's like i was 4 years old and you know, just always was there, but, uh, it was nine years old and it was a Sunday night service back, back when those were a thing. And I remember that night that my mom was sick and she wasn't there and my dad was an usher. So serving in the church has always been part of like the family deal. And we were sitting on the very back row and in these old things, Hannah, they used to have these pieces of furniture in a church called a pew. No way. Just straight up wood. Wow. And uh, I'm not sure if that was a punishment or if that's all yeah. they could afford, but it was just what I'm, so I'm thankful for padded chairs today. So on the back row on a Sunday night, cannot remember what Pastor Greg Ricky was preaching on, but I knew I was convicted of my sins as a nine-year-old kid, whatever that had been. I knew I stole some stuff, but I don't know what else I did. <laughs> uh, but I just remember kneeling beside my dad and asking Jesus to forgive me. And I felt like I just felt something come off my shoulders. I don't know what it was. I still can't explain it. Yeah. Uh, it was just this incredible lift of the weight of my sin had been taken away. That's amazing. It sounds like, you know, obviously we know that that God is with us. And, and as um, 
people that are Nazarenes, we believe in this prevenient grace that mm-hmm. God has this grace that goes before. Right. And so it's really incredible to hear stories about people um, encountering that grace and not only encountering it, but responding to it. Yeah. Um, so tell me about another time that you responded to God. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your call to ministry. Was there, was there a moment in your life? Um, can you share a little bit about that season of your life through stories of, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that was when you were young. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so another part of the Nazarene denomination is the, the Mission Society or the uh, what it's called now, Nazarene Missions International. They would release a few books every year and, you know, they would try to get as many people in the church to read them as possible. And they had like a, the adult version of stories and then they'd have like the, I don't want to say dumbed down, but the, the simpler version for kids to read. Sure. And so one of the things that my mom did that I'm really grateful for is that she, she gave me a love of reading early on by forcing me to read, you know, we'd go to the library. Some of my gifts were like books on album, you know, on vinyl and you read along with the book, but I'm so grateful that she did that though, because it's so easy to read now for me. Um, but we would read these missionary books and it felt just looking back. All I can remember was that they were always like somewhere else overseas, particularly Africa and when I started reading those books, I think I was about 12 or 14, I started feeling like God was calling me to that, and I was scared to death of that. So part of my response for quite a few years was like, no thanks, God, find somebody else, please. <laughs> you know. So that's kind of where it started. Um, but then, like I said, serving in the church was just kind of part of what we did as a family. And so whether it was on the board, you know, mom or dad, or, you know, teaching a Sunday school class. And the third and fourth grade kids, the Midler group at my church needed a helper. They already had a teacher and they needed a helper. And uh, Miss Elaine asked me if I would be willing to to help her uh, as soon as I was out of high school uh, with her class. And so I always had a good connection with kids for some reason. I don't know why, maybe because my parents were educators. Um, But it was never like a, you know, I don't like little kids. I've just always loved kids. I just think they're really cool. And I uh, started helping them with uh, Sunday mornings, ended up teaching that class. Um, as a young person, I look back now, and I was like 19 or 20, and they were letting me teach, which seems crazy, but that's probably a good way to do it. Um, and then I'd go to summer camps with them. I really enjoyed, I love summer camp. I'd, I would go weeks on end if they would let me. Um, and then Kept doing that just for several years. And then one year they needed uh, someone to go with them for senior high camp because they didn't have enough chaperones. Imagine that. And uh, so I went with them, and I'm at the service. And you've been to camp before, right? Love it. I am like you day in, day out. Put me there for a year and a half straight. I live and breathe camp. Stink and eat terrible food and just love Watching God work in people's lives. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, the one work could you want? I don't know. I don't know why people do anything else. <laughs> um, but you've had times where the services, like you were just barely keeping your eyes open, or the services where it was like, oh my word, the Spirit of the Lord is here, and mm-hmm. I, I am so glad I'm here too. Yeah, 100%. So it was in like the latter uh, of those services at the senior high camp. I'm sitting next to this girl. And she's bawling her eyes out. She's telling me her parents are splitting up. I can't remember who it was. She probably wasn't even with our church. I don't remember. But I just felt like this still small voice, like, I want you to be a youth pastor. Are you in or are you out? 
oh. So all along, I thought the call was like somewhere else, like going over there, learning a different language. Uh, but it turns out it was for me, it was for, for youth ministry. And um, so I said yes and told people I said yes. And I looked into how much it was going to cost to go to school for that. And I had already gone to school for computer animation. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, maybe there's another opportunity. So I just kind of put it off. And um, months later, a guy at that camp said, hey, I've got an internship opportunity down here in Florida in Lakeland. And you don't have to go to school, but you can come learn youth ministry uh, with me for a year. And um, on the phone, like, it was weird, Hannah. Like the phone rang that night. It was a Wednesday night. I was watching movies with my buddy Don. And for some reason, I don't know why, but when the phone rang that night, I don't have like ESP or ESPN or whatever that sixth sense is. But I just, I just felt like something was different about this phone call. Yeah. And it was the internship opportunity. Okay. And so, so you're like, I'm, I'm going to pause the movie. Inside, if that was an option at that time. It was. DVDs had just come oh, out. And we okay. were so excited. You didn't have to rewind things anymore. Love it. It was magic. Love it. Um, but inside, I knew I was going to say yes. But I was like, I should probably pray about it first because... Isn't that the kind response we give? Let me pray about this first because mm -hmm. we... You know, I think we're similar in personality where if something comes up, we want to jump in with both feet. A hundred percent. And um, sometimes we have to make ourselves go through some discernment for a moment before. Yes. You know, so um, if you're listening, if you feel if you feel like <laughs> saying yes right away, still give yourself time. Sure. To make up your mind and then still say yes, if that's what God is leading you to. Mm, and invite other voices, spiritual maturity voices into that conversation if you're not sure I mean just <laughs> yeah okay so um one thing I've I've known about you since since mm. we've known each other for golly four and a half years now right which yeah, is amazing for a while yeah. yeah um and we're very glad yeah you you're a people person and so hearing this story um where you find some find yourself sitting next to someone who is experiencing their encounter mm -hmm. with God's grace um, and how to wrestle with their hard circumstances, maybe trying to figure out how God is good in the midst of these circumstances. Mm. Um, it seems as though the call that God placed in your life as it continues today is just this really neat place where passion meets purpose. Mm -hmm. um, so as you've, as you've pursued that call, um, you've, you've somehow ended up here <laughs> built yeah. a Nazarene church. Cause God is good. That's how you ended up here. Cause right. God is good and led you here. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, the transition that it's been for you going from youth ministry to being a lead pastor. Mm. Um, because I know that youth ministry is a different ball game. Um, even though I know lead pastors probably want to run the same, um, system, as youth ministry, you know, let's have fun, let's hang out, let's do these things. Um, but what what has the experience been for you? And um, when you look back on, you've been here for how long? Uh, just over five years. Okay, so just over five years you've been in this, you know, what is not new in ministry ways, but mm -hmm. like new to you as, sure. as a role in ministry. Absolutely. So, yeah, share about that. So, yeah, I was in youth ministry for 17 years, which is... A good, good long time, and I enjoyed every minute of it. But towards the end, I really s just felt like the sun was setting on that chapter. Okay. 
Uh, it wasn't cause I was unhappy with it. It just, just felt like God was leading towards something else. I will tell you, I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to be a lead pastor, a senior pastor, whatever they call the person with the most responsibility at the church, uh, because they were the person with the most responsibility. And the biggest shift when you go from a, like a youth staff position to the, the lead pastor, your, your, your responsibility area just mushrooms like crazy, right? Cause you're, as a youth pastor, you're responsible for families and the teenagers in those families, or maybe reverse that order. Sure. Teens and, and their parents, hopefully. Um, but then you, you work with like the entire church, like from cradle to grave, you know, and, um, that has been interesting. It's interesting that adults are not as different ministering to them as I thought. Okay. Because what's the best way to say this? Uh, they're just, they just have different problems at different stages of life. And some, um, It's been probably the biggest difference is board meetings and just running the um, administrative side of things, which I am okay at, but communication is something I constantly have to work at. Uh, and I've realized, especially recently, how y- you just kind of have to over communicate in order to even think you're communicating. Sure. I would say in ministry, if you're not over communicating, you're miscommunicating. Yeah, or you buy the lie that just because you said something, I, communication has happened. Yes. <laughs> and that's not true at all. Yeah. Just because I sent the email does not mean, one, people opened it, or two, read it, or three, absorbed what you said. Yep. Um, but how much more responsibility that is. I wish that there had been like a on-ramp to that, and I wish I had paid more attention in the board meetings that I did go to as a youth pastor and, and how things were run, but... Thankfully, I had some gracious people to help me with that side of things and some really, really awesome people who were patient with me and just stuck with us and, and kept kept moving the church forward. So uh, I would say it's working with the board has been the biggest challenge, but also a big thrill uh, because when they get it and they start jumping in, diving in, I mean, it's so much fun. Yeah, there's nothing like working with a good team right. that is – you know, focused on God and, and what the mission that the church has decided yeah. to chase after. And so this church has done such a great job at chasing after, you know, the mission that, that we created as, as a team, you know, not, not, not just the Derek show. It's, no. it's, uh, you know, not at all. what does it mean when we as, as a community of the church come together and say, we want to be a warm and welcoming community and we want right. to, we want to reach out to people and, and so I've just seen this church grow in leaps and bounds towards that towards that mission. It's just been so fun, and um, it's been great uh, under your leadership. So I'm going to give you that compliment right now. You've oh, just well, you've you're... been such a great leader, and um, and I just know that so many people probably feel blessed to have you. So um, switching lanes just a little bit. Thank whenever you for saying you... that. <laughs> yes, of course. Kind of, yeah. um, as you've, as you've grown, whether this was as a teenager or as a young adult mm-hmm. um, or middle-aged adult or whatever you are now, are you still middle-aged? What is middle-aged? I, I don't, don't know. know. I still feel really young, but I, feel I like also the older know you get, I'm going to be say, almost 50 in a couple weeks. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Happy early birthday. Yeah. People say that the older you get, the younger old is. 
You know what I'm saying? Because like right now I'd say that. like 75 is old, but whenever you're 65, you're like, whoa, 75 is so young. Yeah, it's just down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. I don't, wherever you're at now, tell okay. me about somebody along the way um, that has just been a really neat influence, uh, and tell me how that was. You know, whether that's you know it's directly to your faith, or was it somebody yeah. that influenced your leadership, um, or something along those lines. Sure, sure. Um, what well, I have not mentioned my wife at all, uh, and we met where I interned, and uh, that was a whole big long distance relationship. Thank God for that. We had two biological kids, two adopted kids, and so um, Emily Hayden, Bethany, and Katie. Uh, I did not mention that in my family story, and I am probably going to be shot in the foot for that. <laughs> well, to be fair, <laughs> I had asked about your heritage. You did. You, you know, did. your family growing up. You did. But yeah, share about your family now. That, you know, seems like that's the direction this is headed. Well, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we had Emily first, and she was born in Ohio, and Hay was born in Lubbock, Texas, so we do have one true Texan in our family. Love it. And then years later, we adopted Bethany and Katie from Ethiopia. That was back in 2012, so we just hit the 10-year mark, um, and even though they don't live with us anymore, we feel like we did everything that we were supposed to do to be faithful to what God wanted us to do, and um, so we still consider them ours. They still consider themselves witness, which is cool, um, but I, in answer to your question, one of the biggest spiritual influences, my wife is always a spiritual encourager, because I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but sometimes things in ministry don't go as well as you hoped. No way. That's a true story. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you need people who can point out what was true in those situations because your feelings will a lot of times try to make things worse if it was bad. <laughs> sure. And um, so I, I say my wife is a, a big spiritual influence for me. Um, and my parents, I mean, if they hadn't got me to position me at church regularly, then that was a big deal because that, that put me around youth leaders like a Ricky Robertson, uh, uh, Ray and Shelly Oliver, Alan Jakes, um, just people like that who, who could say things to me that probably my parents were already saying, but I just couldn't hear it from them at the time. Yeah. I think it's like that for every teenager. Yes. I, I, as somebody currently in youth ministry, constantly watching mm -hmm. students and parent relationships, that is so true. Parents want nothing but the best for their students. And sometimes mm -hmm. students in their, you know, whether that's stubbornness or, or just, you know, just them wanting their own independence and figuring out who they are. They don't, they don't want to listen to who they've always been because of their parents. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, yeah. there's definitely like a resistance to, to even hear praise, you know, from, mm. from parents. And so, yeah. you know, that's that's such a that's such an important thing is to take the compliment. So if you're a student listening to this, take the compliment. Yeah. And uh, just say thank you. <laughs> yeah. But what what a neat thing to have so many other people speak that message into your life of of you know encouragement and truth, um, even even in a situation that went really well, or one that went really wrong. Mm -hmm. Whenever we have people that can affirm us and then also lead us in a way of correction. Yeah, because yeah, really you good. need to hear the truth sometimes. A hundred percent. Sometimes yeah. the truth is you just mess it up. I mean, yeah, you dropped the ball. You didn't do what you should have done, and you need people that can tell you that too. Yeah. Um, you know, so all my the, all the pastors I worked for, um, Phil Manson in Ohio, Curtis Sellers in uh, Georgia and Texas, Brian Wiesinger for the brief moment that he was my lead pastor before he left and went to Colorado. 
uh, and then Mark Lindstrom, you know, sometimes they had to tell me hard truth and sometimes they encouraged me in, in what I was doing. So I'm grateful for all those guys that gave me a shot um, to be on their team. There's one guy in Ohio, his name was Tony Vohar, and he had been in ministry, got called to ministry late in life, but just, you know, you meet some people sometimes and you know for fact Jesus is their A, number one best friend. Yeah. Like, it's hard for them to not talk about it. Yeah. And so this was Tony, and he was at our church in Ohio. And I had just, like, I just started out in ministry. You know, I'd done the internship and then got the first assignment there at Pickerington Church of the Nazarene, just outside of Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, it was one of those times when things were not going as well as I hoped. Because I think if we do a big fun thing, you know, why aren't? hundreds of thousands of kids turning out for this thing, right? Amen. Yes. <laughs> right? I mean, how much more fun? How, I can only give away so much free pizza to get people to come. Um, so I was I was just struggling, but he would take me to, um, so that's home to Wendy's, Dublin, Ohio, is just on the other side of Columbus. So Wendy's is big. Like the fast food restaurant. Wendy's. But there's also a Canadian connection, Tim Hortons, which has donuts and coffee. And so he would always take me to this combo, Wendy's and Tim Hortons. I can't imagine eating a best. greasy burger and be like, pass me that black coffee. No, no, you wouldn't N- have both at the same time. You, you say that, but, but that's what I option. think. Well, Because it's a double place, you I'm know? clearing up your confusion. There we go. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, moving on. So Tony would take me to get a burger and he would just say, Derek, it's going to be okay. You know, we probably need to hear that more than we think we do. And he was like, you're a guy who's going to be you know, leading a youth group of 70. And that at the time we had 20, 25 kids, like on a good night. Sure. And I'm thinking, okay, Tony, all right, what's not clicking here? Cause there's no way. Um, but I don't know if he was, you know, part prophet or whatever, but I mean, that ended up happening at some other places, some other churches, especially our last church at grace. And, um, it was amazing to see, but it was the encouragement. It, it wasn't just the, he did dream a little bit with me and for me. Uh, but it was that encouragement. He just, I just knew he was going to support me. So that's good. Yeah. I think if we're not a daydreamer, we need people that dream for us. You know, that, that will say, man, if you shoot for the stars, you're going to reach them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when you're building the kingdom, because we so often preach that we serve such a good God who's capable of doing more than we could ever ask or imagine. Mm. And half the time we don't chase after what, we can't imagine, you know, right. like we, we yeah. don't really stretch ourselves as much as sometimes I wonder God would wish we would. Mm. That's good. Yeah. So yeah, that's really great. I'm so glad you've had so many wonderful leaders. I've um, been very blessed. Very, very blessed. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to ask you one more kind of serious question and then we'll get on to just a few smaller things that are just for fun. <laughs> All right. So, um, since we are people in progress, we are people yes. that are always learning, always growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I've recently started to think I always want to be a sponge, you know, just always soak it in as much as I can. Um, so as somebody who's being spongy and <laughs> trying to learn new things, what, what has God been teaching you um, in this last season as you mm. are a person in progress? Uh, yeah. Humility. Uh, I, in fact, I don't know everything, nor do I have a solution to everything. Um, but just he is showing me things that I have 
perceived as truth that really are not truth. So he's revealed some lies to me, I believe, about myself. Like, uh, uh, just because something presents itself as a need does not, in fact, mean it's a legitimate need. Um, confession, you can confess temptation, and that's easier than confessing committed sin, sin yeah. committed or omitted sin. Sure. Um. Just you're talking about being a learner. I mean, that's that's like just in our me and Jesus conversations. That's just like the last few days. So you're getting fresh off the griddle here. (laughs) Um, But like things from learning books and things like that. I love audio books. They're my they're my favorite. I'd rather listen to a book than well, I don't mind reading a book, but I I love audio books. I know you're not like that. (laughs) No, because I'm too thorough. If I if I've zoned out for five seconds, I thought Mm -hmm. I missed the most important part of the chapter and I have to rewind. Well, yeah, you just hit the 30 seconds back and... Yeah, that's I'd hit it too much. I <laughs> <laughs> And then you're like, wait, I already listened to that part. Skip forward. No, I, had, I missed that. Yeah, That's exactly how it would Okay, be. okay. That makes sense. Um, I, I listened to this book called, um, well, two of them, Canoeing the Mountains. It's about how, how do you lead and pastor in an ever-changing environment. Mm-hmm. And they did the... Um, an analogy to Lewis and Clark as they were heading towards the Pacific Northwest. Because the theory was, going theory back then was, uh, once you get to the certain point on the map, there's just a river, and you just canoe on down to the Pacific. Sounds great. But when they got there, there was a mountain range. And so that's when you got to leave the canoes, and you got to find horses, and you got to adapt and, and overcome. And it just talked about just the openness you have to have to change um, Keeping the mission the same, the mission was still to get to the Pacific Northwest to find the passage to the Pacific Ocean. That didn't change, but how they got there uh, changed. So God is stirring, you know, things in me as far as I've got to think about things differently. Cannot do the same old things. Cannot do even what I was trained to do just a few years ago. Because because things change. Yes, as yeah. we've all seen in recent years, just even with the pandemic and all that. So. Um, there's that, and then I listened to a book called The Motive by Patrick Lencioni, and I don't know if you've heard of him. He does a lot of business-type books, um, but this one was about, you know, why do you want to lead? And it's he says people do it for one of two reasons. They want the reward, like they get the title, they want the corner office, you know, they want all the perks that come with it, but then they don't want to have the hard conversations. They don't want to do what the company organization really needs or you have the responsibility-based leader. And those are the people that want to do it because they want to move the mission forward. And so that's been eye-opening to me uh, because I will avoid conflict if I can absolutely help it. Uh, But I'm learning that God will help me have those conversations. They're hardly ever as scary as I think they're going to be, although some have been. Um, Truth-telling right there. Um, But... You know, it, you have to do it because God called you to do it. Because, I, like I said, I never wanted to do this. And, you know, every now and then I have a day where I'm like, what else could I do? <laughs> um, but I know God wouldn't let me get away from this. And uh, I think he calls you to a, a role, you know, pastoring. And I think he calls you to a people and a place, too. And uh, we just, we love Belton. And we love this area. And um, we want to be here for a long time. Wow. That is 
That's great. That sounds like God is teaching a lot. You actually beat me to my next question. I, I was, gonna, I was gonna, I, <laughs> earlier you mentioned that you're a reader, and I wrote down, "Are you currently reading a good book?" And now I might say, "Are you currently listening to a good book?" Yeah. Are you, have you picked up another one since you completed those two that you were talking about? No, I switched to podcasts for a minute. Mm. Um, what's your favorite? What, what's a podcast you'd recommend? I'd recommend. Yeah. Mm. Uh, if you just like learning general knowledge, uh, stuff you should know is a fun listen. That is a fun one. I love that podcast. Uh, that's that's fun. That makes it on a lot of road trips uh, with a with a family too. Uh, Craig Rochelle, big leadership guy. I, I like listening to him. Uh, he's the sh- the short end of podcasting. He's like twenty twenty two minutes, and you know we pack it in there. And then there's Kerry Newhoff on the other end that I like a lot, and he's like an hour and a half. Every week. And so I don't even try to keep up with that. I, if a topic looks interesting. I'll You'll let, go I'll for that one. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Um, here's another question. What mm. is your favorite smell? Favorite smell? Yeah. Do you have one? Don't Nothing. say Old Spice. It's not that. No. <laughs> 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 no. Although in the group that I interned in, this girl named Nancy always called me Old Spice. That was her nickname for me. Wow. I was 25. Mm. <laughs> well, I got yeah. less comfortable the more you talked about it. <laughs> yes. So, moving on. Probably one of the best smells, <laughs> bacon. Oh, my goodness. Bacon cooking in the skillet. Oh, my word. Nothing just does my soul more good. I know salmon is your favorite food. Do you like yes. the smell of salmon? Or is it like, yeah. no, I'm just ready for the taste? The Salmon, the, the, here's the trick. Salmon, you got to use this... Um, Monterey steak seasoning on top of it. Disagree. I do not like that seasoning. Well, it's no. fine. But for your nose, it's fine. It's for okay your nose wrong. and your, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your podcast. So we'll just let you have your flavors. That's okay. Um, I'm going to wrap it up just because I like ending on a fun, like okay. crazy note. Um, do you have a story that you've, like, it's like in your back pocket. You want to share it, but the right opportunity hasn't come up. Just something crazy. So, like, when I say this, I'm talking about, you know, the time in Belize where you guys had to make the bus a boat, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there any, like, crazy story that you're like, guys, listen to this story that happened to me X amount of years ago or, like, whenever it was. Do you have just, like, this this real fun, fun story that I don't know. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. So Fun. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the heads up on that. <laughs> Um, one thing people don't know in high school. So when I was in high school, that was like when this genre of music started coming out called gangsta rap. Oh, but part of that culture was all these movies that they had going on back then. And, um, so me and my friends went to a late movie starring one Tupac Shakur. And, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Juice maybe, or something like that. Uh, it was a gang movie about gangs, and me and my buddies went to this 10 o'clock show in Nashville. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just because that's what we were doing. And we were walking out, and this guy was walking behind us. And I'm like, I don't know this guy. And he says, you guys can stop right there. <laughs> like, what is happening? So we stopped, and he goes, give me all your money. No way. I'm like, uh, you got to understand, I'm either in high school or right out of high school. Yeah, real young, my real m- scary moment. Yeah, yeah. 
And he goes, and then he opens up his jacket and you can see like, he's got a gun tucked down in his belt. You know, that's all I needed. Right. Like this was before everybody and their brother and their toddler was able to carry a gun. And, um, so it was scary. Um, and so I, I had like 20 bucks in my wallet. It was having a good day. Yeah. So I had 20 bucks in my well, wallet, me and my had, friends. Yeah. Formerly had 20 <laughs> bucks. So, uh, yeah. And just, we threw our wallets. We were so scared. We threw our wallets down. He was like, take your wallets back. I don't want those. I just want your money. <laughs> and so me You're and like, my sorry, friends I go got, back to not my. Not been through this yet. <laughs> <laughs> First timer. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> this is my. You'll have to excuse me. This is my first time being robbed, <laughs> so, or threatened to be robbed. Did you and, cry? No, I was just so livid, angry that that had happened. Oh man! And of course, you know, I tell my parents, and they're like, "Of course that happened. You went to this movie at ten o'clock at night in Nashville, you idiot." <laughs> they didn't call me an idiot, but you know, my friends Chad and Patrick were with me, and I'm sure if they ever listen to this, they will keenly remember uh, <laughs> that night at AMC Fountain Square in Nashville, Tennessee. But there's no real point to it other than that was scary. That is, <laughs> wow, sure. I'm so glad I asked that question. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm you, glad I had the memory capacity to recall it. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, Derek, that is all I have for you today. I, it's been such a pleasure to get to know you more, to oh, hear more about this. your story. Yeah. Um, so, hey, if you're listening and you haven't heard any of the previous episodes, please go check those out. Get to know some of the more some more of the people and in our congregation um, because we're all people in progress and we want to get to know each other. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Hannah. This has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to record your episode. It's coming. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of People in Progress. If you'd like more information on Belton Nazarene Church, you can go to belton.church for our website. Or if you'd like to share your story on the podcast, please email Pastor Derek at derek at belton.church to set up a time. We are so glad you checked out this episode of People in Progress because it is another way that we get to encourage each other to live like Jesus every day. Lastly, we are confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.